Good evening, everybody. It is another episode of Scarves and Spikes. We're back. We had a busy week last week, but the three of us are back together. Finally, the reunion has happened. Uh, y'all are excited. I think we're going to get some chat. So, yeah, absolutely, by all means, dive in. We want to hear from you guys. We have a pretty cool guest coming on today, I've heard. The rumor is. So, uh, it'll be a fun show, guys. We, we're going to announce a little giveaway as well. But before all that... Cool. Sydney, Tommy, how y'all doing? Doing well. Um, doing pretty good. Looking forward to this match on um, Saturday against Inter Miami. Um, not sure what happened against Nashville. Of course, I was up there. Uh, not sure what happened, but yeah, sad face. You know, we were all in different places, right? Like we were all watching in different places. Tyler, you were on a man trip, as as you explained, I think, <laughs> yep. to us. Sydney's at the game. I'm at a bar. Usually when it's like a local televised game, we go out and, you know, have lunch and, and watch it. And then I get an alert. Uh, Twitter starts going off, and it says that Scarves and Stripes gets a call out mm-hmm. everywhere. And I'm like, oh, man, like, I want to go home and, and listen to this now. So that that was awesome. It really was. That was like that was the highlight of my weekend. You know, it was really funny that because the way it happened for me, I was so we're up there. Yeah, we're doing the guys trip. I was in the middle of an eight-hour game of poker. It was like just we got going at lunch. We knew we were going to watch the game, and then it just kept going. But I did end up winning some cigars out of it, so that was good. But yeah, so we're sitting there, and uh, my wife called me. I was on the phone with her. And she was telling me about something that happened in the soccer game with with our son scoring a goal. And I was like, it's amazing. Um, well, right when I was talking to her about it, my brother-in-law sitting next to me, he starts hitting me. And he's like, hey. I'm like, what? I thought he was talking about like what I had said about the goal that my son scored. He keeps hitting me. He's like pointing at the screen. I'm like, what? He's like, they just called y'all out on the show. And I was like, oh, what? So I had to go back and rewind it. <laughs> and, uh, but, yeah, shout out to Jake Zivin for – yeah. shouting us out that was really cool that was that was super awesome really great excited. guest great guest last week great to have him on get us insight kind of pick his brain about mls at lady united his time with portland and all of that so great to have him and like you said we have a another special guest tyler coming up this week or today i should say um we do that's why i heard the, as well yeah i mean rumor on the street is Taylor Twelman will be joining us uh, here in a little while. Not long, uh, heard, not long I've at all. Heard but of him. yeah, I mean, I, I think I've heard of him a little bit. So <laughs> it'll be good. It'll be a good show. And and it is funny because you yeah. know Jake and him are broadcast partners. Jake was on last week. Mm-hmm. Taylor's on this week. So just a I don't know. Maybe the piece is falling into place a little bit. But super excited. Yeah. It'll, it'll be fun. We're gonna have a great time. And uh, yeah, I'm excited about it. It'll be a good episode. I thought it, uh, my favorite Taylor Twelman moment. I have two. I don't know if we'll end up getting to it with one him with the but the one was during the MLS is back uh, tournament. You know the dark times as we like to yeah. call them. Yeah, it was at nine thirty start time. I think we played Cincinnati. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't I remember what it was. It Cincinnati or Colum- Columbus, maybe. So it's it's bright and early, and him and, and we we John lost. Campion. We lost. <laughs> Spoiler, yes, we lost. We did. But but Taylor and, and John just go back and forth about what they ate for breakfast for 
a good five to six minutes and like <laughs> talking about English breakfast and like <laughs> there's not many moments of COVID that like I really was like you know it was fun but like it was like the, I remember it was like the first time I saw my friends like we had like a watch party like a small watch party everybody came over everybody brought their own brunch thing and we're just sitting down and we just hear them talking about breakfast for like a good five minutes and I was like <laughs> That's that's one of my favorite Taylor Twelman moments. That's the content you need in the morning. If if soccer's coming on that early, it's like the World Cup this past year. Yeah, Breakfast was like vital for yeah. all of those soccer matches. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, we got to talk about to the what are we doing after after the U.S. Oh, missed sure. World Cup in 2017? I mean, that's well, a lot of people associate with Taylor as well. But um, yeah. Looking forward to having him on. Should be an exciting time with him. Time to chat with him and get his thoughts on Saturday. Yeah, definitely. So we'll dive into last week here in a moment. Before we do that, uh, just a quick shout out. A couple of things. Uh, one, as usual, guys, make sure if you're not already, we would love for you guys to get on the Patreon. Um, the link up at the top. It's also in the chat. For those of y'all that are listening after the fact on the uh, on the podcatchers, it is patreon.com slash scarves and spikes. We did a really, really cool interview with Tony Anon yesterday uh, of South Carolina soccer, formerly the academy director of Atlanta United. Uh, we learned in that interview that he was like employee number five for Atlanta United overall. <laughs> so he was one of the first. And it was really cool insight to get you know, where he's at now, what he's doing, the differences in, in college and academy teams and, and just really, really cool chat with the guy. So uh, if you haven't yet, be sure to hop on the Patreon and, and go check that out. Um, in addition to that, next week, one of our guests, we may have two, I don't know yet, but one of our guests is going to be Jason Longshore coming back on. No introduction needed. All y'all know him. But uh, but Jason yeah. uh, is, is getting back on with us. It'll be his second time on with us this year, actually. So our first fun to talk about guest, the Miami match. Yeah, and um, because he's going to be on, and because he's another fellow Atlanta uh, native, we are going to be doing a uh, giveaway. It's the first giveaway on the main show. So make sure you guys share uh, the the channel, like, subscribe, do all that good stuff. But it's going to be the first one is going to be a pin. Uh, from a local Atlanta artist, I guess you could say, uh, Carmen and Diego. Carmen and Diego, uh, they, she, she makes stickers. Diego is her dog, who I think just turned 10, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> um, but the the links for uh, her page are down at the bottom. But for those of you guys listening after the fact, on Instagram, it is Diego, And then on Twitter, it is at Carmen and Diego. So... Great, great stuff that she's making. Great stickers, great pins. We're going to be giving away one of those pins next week when Jason's on with us. So it'll be fun. Be yeah, fun. speaking of Twitter, speaking of Twitter and Instagram, of course, follow us on Twitter, Scars, the letter N, Spikes, and then Instagram, Scars, A-N-D, Spikes. We really do appreciate it. Of course, like and subscribe to us on YouTube as well. We appreciate that as well. And, of course, Patreon, patreon.com slash Scars and Spikes. So, You'll get access to that interview with Tony Annan. Uh, interview we did um, on the US Open Cup. Probably a little bit dated right now, of course. But yeah, other benefits, other fun stuff we have in store for our patrons. So we got patreon.com slash scars and spikes. And with that, Nashville. 
what went wrong in Nashville? <laughs> Please enlighten me. And everybody Nashville, else. Nashville scored more goals than Atlanta, first off. Um, name of the game. Yeah. Usually, usually whatever that happens, the, um, usually when uh, one person or one team has more points than the other team, they win, except in golf. But, um, yeah, um, I was there, obviously, as I mentioned. Tyler, you were on your men's <laughs> extravaganza. Tommy, you're at the bar. Um, yeah, first off, first off, and this is a plus, props to the traveling fans that came from Atlanta. They were vocal uh, for the first part of the match, at least. After Atlanta went down, to nil, these kind of died down, as you might imagine. Picked up again. Just a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. Picked up again when Almada scored from the spot. But then, of course, Nashville killed it off. Or um, put, put it into it, essentially, in stoppage time. So, I believe it's seven straight unbeaten. Nashville already gets Atlanta at this per- current point in time. If I'm not mistaken, I'll have to double check. But... Yeah, we, we talked about it. Tommy and I, we talked about it on the ratings video a little bit. Just so many deficiencies. Not good enough, really, from Atlanta United by any stretch of the imagination. Not to say the entire team was terrible. I think it's easy to take a look at a full team and take the some hole of the entire thing and say, oh, the entire team was bad. Not really. I disagree. Um, the entire team wasn't bad, but... The players that you expect to step up for Atlanta United didn't step up when they needed to. And Ariel mentioned in the chat, you know, Nashville, that's their first time scoring three goals all year. Before that, their maximum obviously was two two goals. Um, eight goals scored coming into the match, and then they hang three on Atlanta. Um, Set-piece defending, yeah, I mean, absolutely agree. That's part of it. Not the only thing that went wrong against Nashville, but certainly part of it. The midfield... Uh, big topic we can go on and on about the midfield but yeah not not good enough from Atlanta United and now you have to kind of pick pick up the pieces after a week where you lost to Memphis 9-1 a second division team you should have beaten and now Nashville a rival in the derby match away from home you remain on the road and face Inter Miami a team that maybe have a little more confidence after winning and breaking their own Losing streak um, last time out. So, oh, by the way, they have Joseph Martinez, which adds to the narrative. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But yeah, not good enough against Nashville. Light it up, Tommy. Light it up. Tommy has his new Joseph Candle. Who did did you mention? Joseph Alexander Martinez. (laughs) So, here's my thing. And, And, Tommy, I want you to dive into it too. Because, I, you know, we can see here try to analyze the match and, and the tactics and all that kind of stuff. But I, I said it on the spaces in the short time that I got on after. The midfield right now is, yes, we, we've talked about it plenty. The, the midfield is not doing – the sixes and eights are not doing their, their jobs to the degree that they need to do them. Um, Almada. They're more like sixes and sevens if we're being honest with ourselves. <laughs> Would you even go that high? <laughs> <laughs> so he, you know, Almada has no business having to drop back as far as he has in in the past few matches that he's played. He has he he does not need to be back. There. I mean, uh, kudos to him 
for putting in the effort, for trying to make something happen. A hundred percent. That's what you expect out of a DP. That's what you expect out of a World Cup winner. That's what you expect out of a player of his caliber, right? He's going to go find the ball. But he doesn't need to be dropping back that far to find the ball. Santiago Sosa, Mateus Sosedo, you know, when, when Sadich, when he's playing, we've seen flashes and we've seen plenty of, of moments where they do handle the midfield really well. Almada can play where he's most dangerous and he can move the ball forward. That did not happen at all in this match. And I just, Mateus Reseto at the training ground yesterday, I was there and he said, I thought the midfield was good. There are just little mistakes that we need to fix. And I, I just don't agree with that. And I think the quality's there. I just don't think it was exhibited to the degree that it needs to be, especially in this Nashville match, especially against a team that, you know, they don't score many goals, but you know that they can hit you on the counter really hard. And that's exactly what happened. And I just, you've got to get that spine of the team in check to make Almada and by effect, Yakamakis or Hoover's playing up top as effective as they can be. Right now, that's where the breaking point's at. Your wingers, we can talk about Arujo. We will, I'm sure. The left, the left side has done phenomenal. Brooks Lennon has done really well, but it's it's right up the middle where they're lacking, and that's unfortunate because they want to play out of the back. You have to have your sixes and your eights playing really well. And right now, that these look Memphis, that was a tragedy. That was a tragedy. And then, of course, against Nashville, it's just not. It wasn't much better. A little bit, but not much better. I thought we made a blood pack never to talk about the U.S. Open Cup again. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, my pinky's healed. My bad. <laughs> I, th- I thought we were, I thought we were, that was just never going to come up. But <laughs> do you ever look at a lineup and just say, I know that this team is going to lose? And I, I feel like sometimes when you watch a game or you get ready for a game and, and you look at who's playing, whether it's especially like in baseball and like soccer where they announce, like it's a different starting lineup usually. Um, or like who's pitching or who's starting. You look at the midfield and, and you see that it's not Ibarra and Sadich. You see that Yakamakis is not playing. I knew we weren't going to win. It just it, it was going to happen. Like it's it's just very predictable. You knew the, the problems that were going to continue to happen. We've seen this midfield before. We saw that it it doesn't work. We see that, like you said, that Almada was having to come back and help, which is not where he should be. You know that the anyone but Yakamakis isn't going to get service, and it's just Groundhog Day over and over and over. And I don't like to just call myself out here, but I did throw a hundred dollars on Nashville, and I don't ever bet anything wow. usually larger than ten dollars. Mm. But I absolutely knew that this was going to how it was going to go because I waited till the the lineup came out specifically because I wanted to see if Sadich and Ibarra were going to be there. If that was there, I wouldn't have even touched this game. But like, you just know what works for your team and what doesn't. And it just, this isn't working and they're going to, if you're going to win and we talked about this on spaces and Sydney and I talked about it when we were doing the ratings, if you have your optimal lineup out there, you can play with anybody in MLS if you have to do any type of rotation, this team is going to struggle. And, you know, you hope that, you know, if you just said we're not making any changes, this is the lineup that's going to go into the playoffs, assuming we make it. If you're 100% healthy and you trust Pineda to make the right decisions, and unfortunately one of those right decisions is not starting Hosetu, 
then I, I think that you have a chance to win. But it's more games this year. The playoffs are longer. And you're going to need depth. And I don't think with this lineup, you're going to be able to go very far. I think they've got a lot of work to do in the summer window. I think that there's still value with some of these players that you have currently. Like an Aruju, I think he still has value in, in the market. Sosa still has market in the value. But those are two guys I would immediately look to go move on from and, and immediately replace with some better players. And I feel like we talked about this a little bit with Atlanta United. Um, are we willing to maybe not struggle, but are we willing to maybe see suboptimal results with this team with the intent of making a real push for improving the team during the summer window? I think Carlos talked a little bit about it on yesterday on Tuesday. Um, maybe that intent, adding some pieces to help this team make an MLS Cup run. Uh, you know, we talk about Seattle. We talk about Lagerweight, what he did over there. Um what do we see a lot of times with Seattle? You know, they kind of they'll tread water, for lack of a better term, to start the season. Then they go on their run. Then they – that's after, you know, they add maybe some kind of pieces, a piece or two or three. Zombie Sounders. Them. Yeah, the Zombie Sounders. And, and they add some pieces, right, to make that run. And more oftentimes than not, they're in the playoffs. And not only that, they're contending for MLS Cups. So – you have a person in the front office who is overseeing this, and you know he's not dumb. He's been around MLS for years, right? And he knows what it takes to win in this league. And yeah, unfortunately, yeah, you, you want to win every match. You want to bank points, as we were kind of talking about, Tommy, on the ratings show. You want to make sure that you give yourself um, a, a little bit of a runway just in case things go south toward the end of the season to get yourself in the playoffs. But as you said, you know, with more games in the playoffs, with an expanded playoff uh, picture, that's kind of the, um, it's kind of the other, ed other edge of the sword, you know, with the expanded field, you have more games. And now you have Leagues Cup you have to worry about too, which is another big, another pathway to Champions League that you're kind of wondering, okay, is this team at this current point in time built to, make a decent run in Leagues Cup, which I don't know if it is, especially if – and the good thing is uh, the season kind of pauses um, in the summer while this is going on. But you know, with the pieces as it has now, it, it, it's, it's not a bad team. But as you were saying, Tommy, you know, if one or two players go down, like you've seen here with Yakimakis and to a lesser extent Almada, even though he was out there, you know, you, you don't have the depth. You don't have the players behind them to be able to step in in a next-man-up situation. So it's very concerning, but you have to hope that in the summer, you know, Lagerway and Bocanegra put their heads together. And, um, and Pineda, of course, put their heads together and say, okay, we have to address this. We have to address the midfield. We need a striker, a genuine backup striker, that can score. So, yeah, uh, it, interesting. Interesting to see what will happen in the summer and how Lenny United will address this. Yeah. Um, after Carlos Bocanegra's comments yesterday, I think it could be a couple of positions that you, you might be looking at in the summer. 
the biggest thing I think that was really important that he pointed out was between the moves last year, the offseason, the moves that they brought in, sent out, Campbell leaving, uh, the the Moreno and Ewan Mosquera uh, loans, which they do have options, obviously, so they could be purchased by their respective teams. But all of those moves, he said, we do have – essentially, we have money to play with in the summer. So they have the ability to make moves when it comes time. He did point out that, you know, the DP spots, he said, they're they're so – specific and they're so hard to have a like for like sub for your DPs because your DPs have to hit your DPs have to be of a, of a different quality. And right now, like we, we, we talk about, we've talked about it a lot, but Miguel Barry, the backup striker spot, just not doing it right now. And does he have the quality? Yes. He's shown it at times at Columbus, but he, he hasn't done anything right now for Atlanta, unfortunately. And um, I do think, that can't be an excuse, obviously. And I'm not saying that he said it as an excuse, but your your DPs, yes, they are. They should and better be of a superb quality because you only get three of them. But it can't be such a gap between them and the guys below. You still have to get something out of your subs. And right now, you know, the midfield's kind of a rotating door. And I get it. You've had injuries and everything else. I still think Hoseto and Ibarra has been a good pairing. Sadich and Ibarra seems to be a good pairing most of the time. Um, but I just don't think Sosa has, has cut it this year so far. Miguel Berry is struggling. Uh, the one that I think has really stepped up is Machop Chol. I think Machop Chol has, has been a bit of a bright spot as a sub. I mean, he wasn't great against Nashville, but he's been better than a lot of the other subs, both on the wings and, and at the number nine position. So, it, it's tough, but now you know that you have options, right? Like you have options come the summertime. You have potential to make some other moves. And I think right now, you know, we talked to Mike Conti a couple of weeks ago and he said he'd be looking at the backup striker position. I agree with that, but I also think you need to go and you need to hit on a solid number eight, a solid number eight. Like somebody that, that knows how to play that box-to-box that -box role is going to handle it and doesn't necessarily have to have a partner to bail them out of things. You know, you're, you're always going to be partnered up in the midfield somehow or another, but you've got to have somebody that can handle business on their own because that's what's going to open up the rest of the field. So we'll see, but this Nashville match just was not a stellar moment for Atlanta's midfield. But you, you look at Chole and you look at Barry and you look at, all the other strikers that we've had in, in the past, there's, there's too many Kubo, everybody, they're not getting service there. It's just not. And what make and, and this has been since Joseph Martinez has left, right? That the last backup striker that we had that did anything was us open cup MVP, Brandon Vasquez. And now we see where he is right now. And, but everybody else hasn't been able to get that service. So, what I think about is what makes Yakamakis so different than the rest. And I think physicality is a big one. He's just a big guy. He's not fast. Like he, he he's not the fastest guy on the team, right? Like I, I don't think, at least I, I don't feel like that he is. I mean, he somehow still ends up offside a lot, like Joseph did, but like <laughs> that happens. 
but he he has i think some knowledge as well he he knows when to make those runs and like like I go back to it i mean he he knows how to to get in front of, of players and, and a slight shove and and not get fouled and you got to find someone and like backup strikers are, are good ones are are rare in mls you know i mean like that's just how it is and and then even if they are good like you get some that catch fire like barry with columbus yeah you know at like zardes goes down barry comes in is very productive and then all of a sudden teams are looking at him saying this is a great backup and then goes to dc and then comes to atlanta and we haven't seen it yet but there's there's been a couple occasions like in the columbus game where he was where he had to start where there were a couple moments and it was like okay like he, he's just not handling the ball well. Like, he, he made a couple bad passes as well. But I, I don't know if it's all just on him. Like, it's I think it's just a combination of, of how they play. And I think that they're playing differently when Yakamakis is out there playing to his strengths. And we just don't have a guy that's uh, that's like a Yakamakis to come in and, and be the backup here. So, yeah, got to hope that we have that luck with him of being healthy like Joseph Martinez was for two years until that one night in Nashville. And this is a good shout too, real quick, Sydney. I want you to hop into. Um, but Mark saying in the chat, you know, Yakamakis demands the ball, which is true. Yeah. Uh, in addition to that, Yakamakis just has that mentality that he wants it. He he wills the ball into the goal at times. I mean, you go back to the first goal that he scored for Atlanta, and he he was offside. I don't even know how many times in that match. It was ridiculous, but. He kept pushing, he kept pushing, he kept pushing, and he got his reward. And he's that's just his mindset. And I think that's mm-hmm. that's as a striker, that's what you have to have in this league. Anywhere, but in this league, especially because no like like you said, the, the backups behind you, you know, you're not always fighting for your spot. So you just have to want it. And we've heard from day one when Yakamaka's got here that he's all about like if he's not scoring goals, he's not happy. I remember being in the locker room when he said there could be games where I score a hat trick and I'm not happy. That's just how he is. Yeah. That's what you want out of your striker. But you still have to have the backup options for this exact reason that we're looking at right now. He's probably still going to be questionable come Saturday. So who do you yeah. start there? That's that's the question. Exactly. And um, yeah, and that that's that's the issue. His health, you know, hamstring has been kind of an issue you hope it's not a serious issue that's keeping him out for you know extended period of time um but again it goes back to if he can't play who do you depend on to put the ball in the back of the net i mean obviously barry hasn't been able to do it this year i mean put Chol out there Chol scored the one goal but um you know other than that not too much i mean wiley has scored a few goals albato of course has scored on his end um but and it goes back to the if Almada isn't at his, at his best, who do you depend on? Who do you count on to get the ball rolling for a lady United? So these issues are kind of hand in hand. So you know, hoping hoping that a Yakamakis isn't injured for a longer period of time, and then b hoping that a lady Knight can get the backup striker situation sorted sooner than later. Whether it looks like Barry, Barry getting on a good run of form or someone else getting a good run of form or them bringing somebody else in remains uh, to be seen, but hopefully they get it figured out sooner rather than later. Cool. Absolutely. And, 
you know, I see some people in the chat now and talking about Yakamakis and you got to understand this is not necessarily just a run of form for Yakamakis. The guy is a proven goal scorer, right? He's, he's done it in the air to VC. He's done it in Scotland. He's he's off to a great start here and it'll be curious to see uh, how he does going forward because there's a very important milestone that's coming up that he could tie somebody very famous uh, very, very soon. And uh, th- just that was a perfect segue, so I'm just going to dive into it. Uh, our man, Taylor Twelman of Apple TV, MLS coverage, formerly of ESPN. How's it going? What's going on, boys? How are you? Good. Pretty good. Great. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for yeah, coming nice on. Nice segue, but uh, I think people were expecting someone actually famous. I yeah. mean, <laughs> relatively famous, right? <laughs> Uh, in my own mind, I am, Tyler. I'm not sure I really am in real life, but in my own mind, yeah, I'm a legend. Hey, there you go. That's all That's all you need, though. The confidence is there, right? Yep, absolutely. What's going on, boys? Not much. I know you're um, you. no, you're excited to get down to um, South Florida with Jake and uh, call the match between Atlanta and Miami. I mean, I'm sure you've been down there before. I mean, what are your favorite kind of spots down the South Florida area, I guess? I mean, Sydney, I've had family in Delray Beach for 25-plus years. So, yes. and, and obviously, you guys or anyone that follows me on any social media platform understands I'm a degenerate gambler slash <laughs> golfer. So, um, South Florida's uh, has been very frequented by me yeah. in years past. So, I honestly, it, and I know you guys don't want to hear this, but you kind of do. I'm going to land, call Joseph Martinez ask him to sleep in his basement. I want to know exactly what he's doing before the game because the only reason why I'm doing this game is because Joseph plays Atlanta for the first time, and I can't wait. Yeah. It's been circled. It's been circled, and and, and we want to get to it. We That's that's the big story, right? But I got a question to ask you uh, going back a little bit earlier this year. Because it's one guy that we haven't talked about on the show yet, and we tend to talk about him every time, and that is Luis Arujo. So earlier in the season, you you mentioned that he was the biggest X factor mm-hmm. uh, for for Atlanta United this season, which is which is true by by, by all means. Yesterday, Bocanegra was talking about his his capabilities and and the the knowledge that he's he's better than he's showing right now, essentially. What does Arujo need to do, or where does Arujo need to be placed, or what changes need to be need to be made to to this man in general to get him going for Atlanta United? Tyler, how long do we have? As long as you want. As long <laughs> as you want. <laughs> uh, I listen. I I'm on the record, uh, and I will always be on the record until something changes. Um, it's a frustrating player to watch. It's a – if I was a nine on this team, um, if I was a right back on this team playing on the same side, uh, I think your listeners would completely agree with me. Maybe the only time they would agree with me, that game against Nashville is as frustrating of a watch as I, I, I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. The amount of times he gives the ball away, the amount of times the pass isn't played at the right time, the extra touch is taken – and listen, you, you, he looks the part, right? There, there's no denying there's natural God-given pace and ability to open up the game 
with his legs. However, uh, between the ears, um, I think at times the decision-making is one of those things where I'm left shaking my head. I, I think Brooks Lennon is frustrated at times because it, it, it looks like and it feels like, again, this is from 10,000 feet, that the timing's off between the two. You watch Gutman and Wiley play together, and there's an understanding. Uh, albeit they're two similar players where Lennon and Aruju are two completely different players. I get that. But the connection between those two down the right, guys, that, that, that's been – if I'm Bocanegra, if I'm Garth Lagaway, and if I'm Gonzalo Pineda – uh, I said it last game. I believe it. I think he's on borrowed time. I think Gonzalo Pineda is looking at this saying, it's just not going to cut it. And if you go out and spend big free agent money on Derek Etienne and you like Caleb Wiley, I think Atlanta's attack looks better with Caleb Wiley on the left side than I think you got to look at it. Listen, DP status or not, you got to make the right decision. And this one's interesting. I don't know his best position. I really don't. But Tyler, Sidney, and Tommy, I'm going to give you something for the listeners that I, I have not seen talked about, but this is my observation. And when everyone watches Luis play, and everyone on Twitter, especially the Atlanta fan that tries to correct me and tell me how hard he runs and how committed he is, my rebuttal to you guys is this. How often is it in recovery? How often is it when he made a mistake or he wasn't in the right position? I watch him in the attack, and everything's reactive. Like the pace and everything else, unless the ball at his feet, he's not moving around. There's no movement there. I saw Tiago Amada, honestly, three times in the Nashville game, literally look at him with his arms up in the air, begging for some type of movement. And that's why I think he's got some of the fans in Atlanta fooled a little bit that well look at the look at the recovery runs look at all that no you didn't pay 12 million for a recovery run yeah. you paid 12 million to be one of the top 5 to 7 best attacking wide players in this league and Carlos Bocanegra and company they're just not getting it yeah. would you would you consider this a valid statement Atlanta got what they really should have gotten out of him considering what he did at Lille before and considering, I mean, you, you have essentially four or five goals a season. And of course he was using a different way there as a sub, but the numbers weren't anything that you could say, he's absolutely going to pay off in the long run. I think his talent, like you said, is was something that's easy to look at and say, all right, well, yeah, he has the talent to make a difference, but can he? Did they just get essentially what they paid for? No, because in, here's my reason why, Tyler. If it's four or five goals, then he's not $12 million. He's not, right? So so either they they overpaid or, I mean, quite honestly, they overpaid or at some point the light's going to go off. He's going to have an 11-goal, eight-assist season, and then you're going to say, oh, that's the $12 million. But for right now, four goals at Lil is not worth twelve million. I don't care who you are, and I don't care what the profile is. Uh, if it is twelve million at Lil, for me at the minimum, it's eight goals, eight assists. That that's the barometer I would have for an attacking right, left-sided player on this Atlanta team with Gonzalo Pineda as the manager. I, I think it's got to be. You can convince me seven and seven, but we're splitting hairs. For me, the baseline's eight and eight for twelve million. 
Yeah, so let's let's kind of fast forward to the summer and you know you mentioned Almada and what he's done and I mean I don't think it surprised anyone watching or listening to see him gone in the summer. Let's say that a lady United says, you know what, we're just gonna wash our hands of Luis Arujo as well and just count our losses in the summer. So now you're left with two DP slots for Atlanta United. You have Yakimakis, of course, but now you're left with two DP slots. If that, if Atlanta United are left in that situation, how would you build this team around Yakimakis? That's a good question, Sydney. First off, I'm going to squash any kind of hypothetical because that ain't happening. <laughs> <laughs> Not to be that guy, but uh, I think. Tiago Almada more than likely will get 26, 27 million plus. They're going to have to make a decision. They want way more than that. Yeah. Um, do they get it? I don't know, especially if it's a Serie A team. Then it becomes interesting, right? If, it, if it's an English team, they'll get way more than that. I don't think Almada wants to go to England necessarily because I'm not totally sure he'd fit that style. I think the Napoli type of team in Serie A suits him higher level Bundesliga mid table to higher level uh, La Liga. Sure. Absolutely. The money's there. I don't think they're going to buy out Luis Arujo. I just don't. And so now the question is, what do you do with miles Robinson? And I said this during the, the Nashville game, because it's interesting right now that some people or some clubs franchises in MLS are not being allowed. Allowed's the wrong word. How do I say this? Are being, I would say um, asked that if you're going to do big money, and I think teams can do it. So, but Aaron Long and and Alexander Collins for Cayenne's for New York City, both were seeking designated player contracts. Neither one got an offer of that. Now I know Inter Miami probably would have made Collins a designated player offer, and I know Inter Miami definitely would have made a higher offer than LAFC or Seattle for Aaron Long, and yet they couldn't do it, right? So so take that for what it is. I don't know if Atlanta's going to make Miles Robinson a designated player. However, I'll tell you right now, and I believe this, you lose Miles Robinson or Almada, Miles Robinson hurts this team exponentially more. Because, and I heard you guys earlier, Yako Makis, you can build around that. Mm-hmm. right? He's the type of nine that you could build around in a variety of ways. And so if you lose Almada, you can get natural wingers, delivery in there, more dynamic central midfield, which I think is a real issue for this team when Almada doesn't play, because I feel like we're set to Sadich, Sosa, Ibar, like they're all the same player. I feel like there's no discrepancy between the two. So there's no real balance. I think if they lose Miles Robinson without a plan, guys, I think that's a bigger hole. And I know some people in Atlanta think I'm nuts. I don't think I am. And I know for a fact there are two or three teams in this league that if Miles Robinson became available and they can make him a DP, they would 100% make him a DP immediately. That doesn't mean Atlanta will because right. maybe Atlanta looks at their three DP spots and say we want to go a different way. But, guys, you know this. You guys are Atlanta United fans. They got rid of Nagby and Gressel to re-sign with the money, Miles Robinson. If you lose him for free, wow. Because now (laughs) you're talking about you lost Gressel, you lost Nagby, and then you lose Robinson in two and a half years later, right? So 
I'd be stunned if they let him go. I know Bocanegra is on record saying the offer is on the table. But if Miles gets a $3 million a year offer from anywhere in Europe, he shouldn't take the MLS, the, the MLS Atlanta United offer. Just shouldn't. Yeah, it, I think you know, the, the injury, of course, last year, that kind of really threw a wrench of the plans because now not only are you out of the picture for the MLS season, but now you're out of the picture for the World Cup. And I, I feel like you've lost a bit of leverage that you had already. Uh, but, you know, so far he's proven that, you know, even though he had this catastrophic injury last year that – he can still get back to level. He's shown it, shown it this year. He, you're talking like he about Miles, Sydney. Yeah, Miles. Yeah, I Miles hasn't lost any leverage. All right, he hasn't, and, and I know what you're saying. Right. Quite honestly, if he went to the World Cup, he would have been gone. Oh yeah, he wouldn't be here this year. So if you're going based on that, sure. But the Bundesliga scouts that I talk to on a regular basis just where they're picking my brain, they're they're doing their due diligence looking around. Miles Robinson's 1A, and if he ain't 1B, if he's not 1A, he's 1B. I'm telling you right now, he's got the profile. I don't think Miles wants to go to Germany. So, Sydney, maybe there's something there. But when Patrick Vieira is at Crystal Palace and he sees Chris Richards but then also sees Miles Robinson, the word's out in England, uh, he'll get the work permit from what I've gathered. So, I, I don't think there's a leverage issue, and especially, Sydney, he's free. He's free July 1st. He's got all the leverage in the world because now all that money that was going to go to any kind of transfer fee after the World Cup now goes into his pocket. Uh, he, he's got a lot of leverage as long as he stays healthy, and I just wonder if it's in the back of his mind because I don't know about you guys, human nature in my point, it, Tiago Amada knows right now he's at 26, 27 million and it's going to turn into 35 to 40. That's got to be in the back of his mind. And Miles Robinson's the same. So this is, listen, they're both pros. I'm not saying that, but human nature wise, you're talking about massive, massive uh, career changing moves for both players. I, I think this becomes a little tricky for Atlanta. Yeah. And, and I'll throw, throw this out there too, uh, before we, we move on to Miami, but I think, yeah, I think the biggest thing with with Miles is Atlanta has ended up kind of on the short end of the stick. That leverage for Atlanta is gone. They don't have a they don't have an opportunity anymore. And and yesterday we were there at the training ground. Bocanegra said, you know, and you have to maybe read between the lines a little bit, but he said the the best offer we can give him is on the table. You you guys can understand what that means. I get yep. it. You can't offer him more than than what you can offer him, right? Yeah, and I rule. think in Tyler that that point is per per MLS rules in certain things. Listen, Walker Zimmerman's contract raised a lot of eyebrows, and the Nashville ownership went to bat hard, hard for my for 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 Walker Zimmerman to get that deal. I'm a believer in this league. If you're going to have three DP spots and then three young DP under 22 initiative players, whatever they may be. I, I'm all for the freedom. If you want to go Walker Zimmerman's fine, no problem. That that's your prerogative. The DP spots, in my opinion, are for the owners to determine which way they want to go. And so that's why I think ultimately the Walker Zimmerman and John Ingram and Nashville deal happened. But Aaron Long immediately, Alexander Collins is as I said, Miles Robinson's another. I just think this league takes another step for growth. When the same amount of money on attacking DPs 
is spent on if a team wants to on defenders guys you're talking about a, you're talking about a unique um array of players to build a roster and i think if a team wants to do it defensively they should be allowed to that i i've always said that i'm not saying it sells tickets you can have that different arguments but if you want to give me two designated player center backs and a six and I build my team that way. If a team wants to do that, they should be allowed to. Maybe one day we'll get a fourth DP. Tommy, maybe we get rid of the DPs, and this league then just has a, a certain cap <laughs> and a certain number, and then we are cooking with gas because there's going to be way more diversity of thought and way more ability to sculpt it. And I wouldn't, guys, I wouldn't be shocked if that's on the discussion horizon i'm not saying for next year but sooner than rather than later because i think a lot of owners and even even don garber to an extent want to have a little bit of a different collection of ways of how to build rosters especially with the way lafc is trumping the card and beating everyone at the game of building a roster 100 percent uh well we were just talking about our well i, I brought my favorite uh taylor twelman moment uh, I don't know Which if you heard earlier. What, by the way. <laughs> oh, it's a great one. Uh, MLS uh, is back tournament. Atlanta United is playing at 9.30 in the morning. And you oh, and yeah. John Champion go back and forth about English breakfast for a good five to ten minutes. <laughs> I enjoyed it. We were sitting there drinking mimosas and you had us on the ground because the conversation <laughs> would not end. It just You just kept pushing him on what he was eating and it, it was a great moment i'm glad you're laughing because I, I i'm that was like one of my favorite moments of covid well first off that was just, the reason why i'm laughing is i know exactly what i did that day i know what i did the night before i know john champion and i were the only two people in the hotel in west harvard because the entire world was shut down we go back down to bristol and i don't know how or why but for two straight days, I was just like, "How do you? What do you do? Like, what? Why is that your breakfast? Like, at what point do you not look at it and say, like, like I don't? Or listen, we got weird stuff. Don't get me wrong, but like not like that level. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like, and he's trying to like defend it. And the best part, Tommy, he was serious. He wasn't like he wasn't like playing along." He was 1,000% serious, which made it even better. Anything John and I did was never shtick. That's why I think it was genuinely funny because it, we, it was literally my uncle and his nephew, and we <laughs> argued about everything, and mom told me not to, and I was like, I'm arguing with her brother because I just I, I can't let this go. It, it it was a moment and it was it just like and you brought it up like five minutes again later and you know if you talk to him next just let him know we brought this back up because it was it was a great if moment. i texted him right now he'd still probably write something of the sort yeah exactly that's what i told you <laughs> yeah you know what i loved about it, like when y'all were on together though is just as a, as a quick side note you would poke at him and then he would have this long silence and then he would just come back with it, and and it was so funny because you could just see the the cogs turning and waiting for that response. It was the chemistry was hilarious. Tyler, I know you're gonna find this surprising. I'm never really short of a comeback, whether it's good or not. I don't know. Um, he actually was better at it, and that's what was alarming for me. So no, so 
I, I thought I was Billy Big Time. Still do, by the way. But anyways, <laughs> I thought I was, you know, Billy Big Time. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get everyone. And the first couple times he came back to me, I'm not going to lie to you. I was like, ah, damn it. He's got me. <laughs> Awesome. Like I don't like uh I gotta be actually I gotta be one step better and I was like oh no this isn't good <laughs> he did have thirty five years more experience than me yep I'm dating you John when you hear this you're older than me there you go tell him to listen yeah <laughs> well we've been spending all this time talking about Joseph Martinez all off season we knew it was coming and. You go back and you think about all the issues that that's happened. Like after the injury, he comes back. And my second favorite Taylor Twelman moment was we find out Joseph Martinez is suspended, I think, on Thursday. The game's on Saturday. And I look at the schedule and I see it's on ESPN and I see you're doing the game. And I thought that was uh, it, it was perfect because if you get a home, if you get the home feed, they're not going to talk about it as much. And I, and I knew that you were going to call this franchise out because at that moment, you got Joseph, you know, talking to Felipe at the Athletic that he potentially wants out. It's it's him or Heinze. And you were very honest about just the state of, of what Atlanta United was at, like where they came from, the top. Mm-hmm. And they're at this moment now where you've got a coach and a player, the, the franchise player, wanting out. And that was just that was just step one. And then Bocanegra, you know, he calls him out as well. But then those conversations continue in the following offseason. And then you've got Pineda. And then you've got chicken and rice. And and you've got all these things that have just added up to just basically the fan base dividing themselves. Because you've got the guys that say Joseph Martinez can still be good. And the other ones are saying we got to get him out here. And now we're here. We're here. And we're not even sure if Joseph is even going to play. And like now... and you're, you're saying you're all excited about this at the beginning. And I, my comment was going to be like, but this might be a little bit of a disappointment because who knows if we even see him. I'll be shocked if you don't see him because I guarantee you, Tommy, Phil Neville's going to tap into that well. Because if there is, and honestly, if there's any sign of hope that Joseph can return to 85% of who he is, you're going to find this out Saturday night. That's a fact, not an opinion. Because if there's at all the player that everyone in Atlanta loved, that I loved covering as a neutral, he played, I said this, and I still describe him, he played as if his hair was on fire. That is a compliment in a manner that you weren't going to get to him. He was literally going to run through the wall. Now, ultimately, running through the wall has taken five steps back, and I don't think Boca Negra was necessarily wrong. I don't. I think... Carlos Bocanegra in that front office were trying to motivate Joseph Tommy in a weird way. I just disagreed with how Heinze and those guys were doing it because I saw a player that saw a ghost. Joseph Martinez's knee injury was the ghost to him. And I don't know if he's recovered yet because there's not the same confidence in that body. That body's not the same. Alan Shear had a nasty knee injury. He was not the same type of player. But he didn't see a ghost. He just found a different way to score goals. John Champion brought that correlation last year, and I thought it was an unbelievable one because that's kind of what Joseph is. He's a goal scorer, but he was way different than Alan Shear was. But you know what I'm trying to say. I think this Saturday night, the only reason why I was all over this, I was with Apple, MLS, and I said, I want to be in that building no matter what because Phil Neville is going to look at Joseph 
He's not going to have to say a single thing, and he's going to find out whether or not Joseph is capable of doing this. Now, Joseph Tommy is not the same guy. He's not fit the way he was, but he saw ghosts, guys. And if he does, if he gets rid of that ghost, is there a guy in there that can score 12 to 16 goals a year? Of course there is. You just got to put him on the right team. The problem is Joseph can't get out of his own way because he's not at the same level fitness-wise. He doesn't have the same confidence. And the way Yakomakis has come into this Atlanta United, guys, I think they made the right move. I do. I firmly believe that because Yakomakis looks like – now, in saying that, he's got to make sure the hamstring is completely healthy and he's got to have he's got to get rid of these reoccurring little hamstring injuries. But the guy looks like he's he could easily score twenty goals in this league. The interaction between those two would be really interesting. But uh, I, Yaka... honestly, guys, he's wearing seven. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. we we had an entire we had an entire spaces on that because people were not happy with that. Can I tell you though? Doesn't that tell you a little bit about Jorgis? Where you're like, I kind of like him. I kind of like mm-hmm. him. Confidence. Yeah, I mean, it's also, it's it's real confidence. Don't get me wrong. Now, if he didn't have five goals in his first five starts, all of us on this thing would be like, you're an idiot. What a yeah, one. But now he's sure. kind of backed it up. So now you're kind of like, I kind of like him. I, I mean, I, I, I like personality. I know you guys find that surprising. Um, <laughs> but I, I, like, I like difference. I feel like the younger, newer player, this isn't an old guy get off my lawn type of thing, but I mean that. Like, I just, I like different personalities. I like people being themselves. And I thought when he picked seven, I remember telling everybody at MLS and Apple, I'm like, that's, I'm interested in that story. And I'm interested in that player because that is some ballsy moves yeah. to say, yeah, oh, he's gone. Good. I'll take it. No problem. Yeah. Yeah, 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 we know you're I mean, all Joseph, probably going to build a Joseph statue. might stab him, right, pregame, <laughs> you know? I mean, I'm joking, but you know what I'm saying. Like, I mean, might be like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I kind of feel like Joseph might two-foot him in warm-ups out of the clear blue. That would be amazing. <laughs> Do you know how good Apple TV would be that night if that happened? Dude, from from your mouth to God's ears, let's, let's, I want to see it. I want to see it live, and I can't wait to hear you call it. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, no, going back, it, it, you kind of answered um, – Part of my next question, but yeah, the other part was um, yeah, Phil Neville, right? He's a guy that he's very outspoken. He's very, he gives the impression, okay, my way or the highway to some extent. And knowing what we know about Joseph Martinez, how he's got on or not gone on with coaches that he's played for in this duration in MLS thus far, even given this talent, I mean, is there a worry that you know, those two personalities will clash? Sydney, it's a good question. The only thing is, and I'll tell you, Phil Neville, good on him. Because um, he literally looked at Gonzalo Higuain and said, it's my way or the highway. Yeah. And it's actually less my way or the highway. It's more, it's the team's highway or you're out of here. Sure. And I think he got Joseph's attention. Now, it's up to Joseph whether or not he wants to change or give it his best. Yeah. Everything I've heard is Joseph is giving it his all, right? But you guys know better than me. Didn't Joseph just become a dad in the middle of this preseason, I think? Mm-hmm. Right? So there there could be another part of Joseph that's a little distracted. Um, Maybe was born but, premature as well, if I'm not mistaken. That's so what I thought. So I'm mental. glad you brought it up, Tyler, because I, I, I thought I heard that. So I, I just, you know, I think Phil's going to give Sydney 
Joseph some time, but I don't think I think that clock's running out a little bit, and I think that's why I think this weekend I'm not sure you see Joseph start. Do I think you see Joseph play 25, 30 minutes? I do, and then I think Phil's going to get his answer of whether or not Joseph wants to buy in. But from all accounts, and you guys know I'm asking, uh, I've heard three weeks ago Joseph started to show some real signs of old Joseph, which I think that's got everyone excited. But he did it to Gonzalo Higuain. So, Sydney, I, I don't think anyone in Miami is worried about any personality clash because that one clashed, and then Gonzalo came back and scored, what, 11 goals? And it was like 12 games or something stupid. Yeah, he, he, he lit himself on fire. It was crazy. But, yeah, uh, every, this whole match just has everything that you want, I think. I mean, it's not like it's a derby, right? It's not like it's a, an established rivalry, but the storyline's there storyline's amazing. So, I, Especially, Tyler, with the rumor of Tata Martino wanting to come back from Major League Soccer. Yeah. Yeah. He ends up I mean, li- li- listen, the way Atlanta's – the way Atlanta came into this league, Inter-Miami looked at Atlanta and said, we're going to do that, but our way, the South Florida way, and once we get our stadium, we're going to be better than you. There is a front office – um, big brother, little brother competition, for lack of a better, I don't know how to describe it better than that. It may not be big brother, little brother, but you guys know what I'm trying to say. Um, I think this becomes very intriguing. I really do. If Messi, Busquets uh, come this summer the way all the rumors and signs are pointing to, uh, that stadium's built, World Cup comes here, I think we may be talking about Atlanta-Miami more than any rivalry that Atlanta thinks they have down the road I don't think it's there now, but if Joseph bags in a couple goals, boys, I don't know. This could get ugly quick. Yeah, it jumps It jumps to the top real quick, for sure. It does. We talked about it with Jake last week on here uh, about what like what is the, the rivalry. Because you have Orlando, but that feels kind of manufactured, I think, at times. Nashville has always been a good shot for me. That's what I told him, uh, because it seems more natural, and the fans just don't like each other. And uh, Charlotte's just not there enough yet. It's, it's still new. So Miami – now that the storylines are there, it has all the the recipe and the makings of it. So it'll be, I don't. Want it's got the marquee, the glit, the glitz and the glamour. Yeah. Once they get that stadium done, um, Nashville's a real rivalry uh, to me. For you guys, it's eerily similar to Seattle and Portland. Yeah, uh, not based on the history, but based on the fan bases, the cities, the owners, the way they s- spend money, the contrast, everything about it. It just. It feels natural. The Orlando one, I loved at ESPN for years just because Joseph opened his mouth every time and then would bang in like a goal of the year and then and then would act like it. But Orlando never really beat Atlanta in anything meaningful. Charlotte could be, same type of NFL owner, massive money, huge crowds, but right now they're not in the same stratosphere. So this Miami one becomes interesting, and I think Joseph could kickstart it. I really do. Yeah. So to piggyback on that, what are the what are the two keys, I guess, for each team? What, who needs to do what in this one? I mean, we talked about Joseph plenty. I know Almada is always the, the buzzword, I guess. But for each team, what are the what are the two keys for each uh, each team to kind of pull out a win? Well, you, you said it simple. I think Jakob Marcus, if he plays with Almada, that connection, what does that look like? Um, I think more so. I find Atlanta to be much better when their wide players are in sync with each other 
because then it takes away from the um, inconsistencies of the three in the midfield and the balance. I like Sosa. I do. I don't like Sosa in any kind of the pairings that he's with Atlanta United. Does that make sense? So that, that becomes an intriguing player and one that is difficult. But I think when their wide players are in sync with each other and a part of creating that width, I think Atlanta's good. Listen, Miami was very good against Columbus, guys. Columbus is a fantastic team. I watch them every week, any game I can. Wilfred Nancy is a fantastic manager. And I think if he gets this Columbus project right, he will be the manager of the four biggest franchises in this league in the blink of an eye because he did it at Montreal with no money. He's gone to Columbus with a little bit more money, and yet he's done something that it, they're just fun to watch, and Miami beat him. Miami's got to be very smart with their positioning, uh, their defensive structure. Once they lost uh, Gregory, that killed them. So now they've got to do it in, in sync with each other. Kamal Miller, similar to Miles Robinson, contract up at the end of the year. Where is he? But he's a bona fide center back in this league. Um, but if they don't defend well, they're in trouble. Campana's an interesting story there, right? And so when he's healthy, they're just better. I think his style of play suits Phil Neville and this team in trying to make the game as simple as possible for their team while trying to be dangerous on the other end. He's a real presence, which is also why Joseph could have a bigger impact coming off the bench for the last 25, 30 minutes or playing as a second forward, depending on how that goes. Uh, but I think it, it all depends on how Miami defends. If they defend well, they'll get after this team. They, they'll find a way to create chances just because Campana is dangerous. So, so you talk about good coaching, right? And Pineda has come in, and they were hoping that he'd be able to grow in as a young coach, uh, had success as an assistant. But the fan base is getting frustrated with Pineda. Mm -hmm. And how so, Tommy? Well, you, you have a, a big franchise that, that, that Atlanta United, you bring in a guy that hasn't been a head coach before. Tactics have been questionable th throughout some of the time and, and some of the play mm -hmm. that they have. And people are asking the question, is Atlanta United a team that is a breeding ground for, for, a, for, a, for a young coach to come in? Because we've seen experience come in and we've seen it work and we've seen it not work, right? Like it's players aren't getting water, Watergate. We've been there. <laughs> I have to bring it up, Tyler. And now you're you're you have Garth Lagerway come in, possibly the best front office person of all time of MLS. Do you think that if things don't go well at the end of this year, he goes out and finds his own guy? He's never been able to. So that that pe people need to understand, Garth Lagerway, as successful as he's been, and, and as understanding of each franchise that he's been at whether it's real salt lake or seattle that manager when he's there before he got there has been very successful and stayed successful now i argue with garth that's a sign of success whether you hired him or not you found a way to work um but you would have to think human nature garth at some point in his career would like to pick his coach but garth isn't dumb so if gonzalo pineda has this team playing at a high level and this team's successful then Tommy is going to be the manager. But I said it at the beginning of the year, and I'll say it now. Gonzalo's coaching for his job. Gonzalo's not an idiot. He knows that. Um, and especially with this team. I think what's more intriguing, though, Tommy, is not 
the manager. It's how quickly Garth and company can get out of some of the contracts that they signed, roster build, and kind of redo this. And it started, listen, I know I'm going to piss everyone off, so that's why part of the reason why I'm going to tell the truth. Part of the reason why the contracts are still bad, Tato Martino did not set this thing up well for the long term. Set it up well short term, but not for the long term. And so that after Tata leaves and in that transition, that's where this thing becomes a little hazy. I'm not excusing any of the decisions, but I'm just saying to people in this league where everything has to be long-term now because of the salary cap and the way it's constructed, you can't just say like a Dodgers can or, or the Dolphins can where they just come into that season going, no, nope, we're going for it. We're going uh, The L.A. Rams, great example, right? They trade 17 first-round picks. They have nothing for the next seven years, but they win the Super Bowl. You can't really do that in this league because if you win, great, but it's, gonna, it's actually worse than any other league in this, in this country. It's like double the, double the time to get back, right? So long-term, you got to have that picture. Gonzalo Pineda is coaching for his job. But me as an outsider from 10,000 feet, as you guys have asked me, which is why I think I'm going to give that perspective, I'm actually way more interested in the roster construction. They'll find the manager that fits that, but I look at this roster right now and I see a very, very complicated, unbalanced roster. We've talked about it already. I'll repeat it. Uh, The midfield seems like it's a bunch of the same players. I'd argue the wingers... It's a lot of like for likes. So if you try to change tactics, which, Tommy, I'm bringing this full circle to your question, in Gonzalo's defense, I don't know if you can change tactics a ton if it's the same players, if it's the same profile players. So that's where that becomes interesting. Um, But I think being critical of Gonzalo's tactics is very fair. Um, I felt like the second half against Nashville, there was no tactic change, uh, and there should have been. Um, and I said a couple of those uh, on air, but I, it's a long winded answer. Tommy, the answer is Gonzalo's coaching for his job and he knows it for sure. And like you, you bring up the comment about Tata and, and the franchise. I mean, that goes back to, we, we get Bocanegra comments nonstop uh, on our shows and that there was a huge disconnect because Tata didn't want Barco. Tata didn't want Pity Martinez. Like those were two guys that he did not want, and like that's I think that's partially why he w- he went out. I mean, I know he was inter- he had interest in, in in running Mexico, but like the front office just hasn't seemed like a a, a well functioning machine in years. No, I mean, listen, I I disagree with anyone. PT Martinez, he's the South American Player of the Year. That's not a bad signing. It's not a bad signing. It's just not. Now, was he used the right way? Did he play the same level as Miguel Amarone? No matter what he did, if he didn't do what Miguel Amarone did, he was going to be heavily criticized. But guys, an MLS franchise signed the South American reigning player of the year. That is not a bad signing. Then they moved on from him, and they got, what, 16 million euros or whatever the number is that's public, whatever that is. So fine. The Barco one was interesting. Um, The Barco one is very interesting. Listen, no matter what Tata's people said, and I was very close with Tata. We got along. Uh, we had some good arguments, which I enjoyed, right? Um, but he knew he could have an argument and discuss things, and it wasn't going to go public. I'd, I'd enjoy it, but I would 1,000% question some of the things he said. I'm going to tell you this right now. He knew a year and a half into this Atlanta deal, 
that Mexico or the United States or our national team was coming. He knew that. So whether or not he wanted PT Martinez or Barco or whoever that may be, I'm going to say it's a little disingenuous because he did know the interest from Mexico was at the front of the page immediately. You know what I'm saying? So like he kind of knew he was leaving. Um, But I go back to DeBoer. I was critical of DeBoer, but I always was critical of DeBoer saying he's still getting the results. Guys, he should have been host. You guys should have hosted MLS Cup that year. 100%. See what I'm saying, Tyler? So like I, I was there for the Champions Cup when they beat, was it Club America? Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I was there for that. That was a fantastic. That was the one event. where Renowitz scored a banger from like a banger. Naturally, yeah. that's the only reason why I brought up Jeff Venmo <laughs> me twenty bucks. But then I did um, the Open Cup final. Yeah. It just wasn't at the same level the way Al Marone and Tata did. But guys, I got to tell you, it still was successful. So, so Tommy, I'm sorry to go long, but PT Martinez for me was not a bad signing. Barco, in hindsight, okay, fine. But they just hit a home run with Almada. And if they didn't sign Tata Martino, just so everyone's clear, they were not getting Miguel Almarone. Right. So, they, as I'm critical of Tata, I do. I am going to say, yeah, you also got $27 million because that guy recruited Miguel Almarone and turned him over. So, there's, there's always these kinds of discussions. I just am a little surprised from the DeBoer MLS's back moment where it's gone from there. That is more alarming to me than the Tata to DeBoer because I was there front and center covering this team, and I didn't think DeBoer – I was critical of him. I'm not saying anything, so the fans miss me with any criticism, say you criticize him all the time. That's not what I'm saying. But it wasn't it, – it's now, you know, when you look back on it, it was, it was almost as successful. It wasn't – they won trophies. They just lost the game to Toronto that they should have never lost. Yeah. And and history because that was jo- Joseph. You don't expect him to to miss that penalty, right? Yeah, ever. Nope. And nope. It, yes, that's a painful moment. Um, I, look, I, I wish I wish we could see we could talk about this all night. I want to respect your time for sure because I know you've got plenty of stuff going on. You got to get ready for the matches this weekend. Well, I just I took the over in the Celtics seventy uh, sixers game, so <laughs> it just tipped off. So whatever you guys want to do. Well, look. So okay, so who wins? <laughs> well, I I know the Hawks lost to the Celtics, so uh, uh, we're good. Uh, what I a mean, dig. Even, I act like no, but I act like I'm bragging. Like that's like that's a big win. I should I go now? Uh, you know the the doors over there. <laughs> no, look that. See, that's Tommy Sport. That's Tommy Sport. I'm uh, not on that one. Uh, that hurts. So. I can't believe you guys haven't brought up the fact that I completely failed on my prediction of Atlanta United being a good soccer town. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, it, to be fair, it was to be fair. What a bad, I missed that one by uh, just a little bit. Just a little. <laughs> that, that, to be fair, everybody, everybody, I think was like, "That's right. that's SEC country." Who? It is, but Tyler, St. Louis Cardinals fan, and when you guys had the best pitching staff in the history of Major League Baseball and couldn't sell out a regular season game until the World (laughs) Series, I was like, why would – they're going to go to soccer? They didn't go watch Glavin and Maddox in Smoltz. Smoltz. They're not going to do that. And then my first weekend in Atlanta, I sent a note to everyone in MLS's front office, and I'm like, 
Uh, just raising my hand. I'm going to own this for 20 years. <laughs> I was. Remember Dumb and Dumber when he says, the town is five miles that way? I should have came on air and said, the town is 75 miles. I missed that one by a mile. I mean, unbelievable. <laughs> Brutal. I'm out. We'll I mean, it's you one that. of the best. Yes. You guys are, it's awesome. Yeah. And the reason why it's awesome, there's real anger. <laughs> I mm. love it. Like, I love getting in the Uber and the guy stops and stops and he goes, you don't know anything about our right back situation or something like that. I'm like, yes, yes, I love this. Let's go. So good. I love it. So good. Anger, then immediately, anger. Then immediately I'm telling him, yeah. drop me off. I'm, I need to get out of here. Yeah. Anger <laughs> is better than apathy. Oh, Sydney, I love it because it means it means people care. Exactly. And you guys know me by now. I'm a huge all sports guy. It's got a lot of SEC type of vitriol and that kind of, I love it. I just love it. And I hope it never changes because that means you guys in the fan base care. I know Arthur Blank is 1,000% cognizant of just how passionate it is. And Darren Eels was. It's awesome. It's a real, this is when Garth Lagerway asked me, what do you think? And I looked at him. I was like, buddy, this is, this is what we dream of. A market that cares, a market that will hold you accountable, a market that has a level of expectation, spoiled or not, different podcast. It doesn't yeah. matter, right? Like I, I love it. I love it. It's 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 just fun. It's a good time to cover. And this yeah. Saturday night against Miami, even though you guys are an away team, I just love it. Yeah. And no Jim Curtin's gonna now. disagree with you though. Jim yeah, Curtin says you need to check everybody's uh, driver's license to make sure, you know, that they're from Atlanta. Can't wait for that match. Uh, yeah, but Tommy, that's also why I love Jim. He's from Philly. Yeah. Like, they, they, yeah. they hate Santa Claus, dude. Like, that's <laughs> awesome. That's what we want. But Jim, Jim also hates Ted Lasso. I called him on that one. I'm like, uh, oh, like, oh, what, what are, come on, dude. Ted Lasso. I cry every episode. I laugh every episode. How do you hate Ted Lasso? Like, honestly. Didn't he? Didn't he say it hurts like U.S. coaches as well? Like, come on, man. Yeah, yeah. I know. I mean, um, listen. July, Go ahead. July second is July second is circled on a lot of people's calendars. That's when Philly comes to town. So, <laughs> I know, I know. And if El Clasico, El Trafico, El Clasico, <laughs> slip of the tongue, yeah. similar but different. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> El Trafico got rescheduled, and so now I'm off the Atlanta-Philly game, mm. and I'm now doing the July 4th at the Rose Bowl. I mean, it's not yeah. a bad game to do. Don't get no, me that's wrong. That's a good one. But Philly-Atlanta was circled on mine right when the schedule came out. I go, yep, I want to do that sure. game. <laughs> I was about to say, let's let's do this. I'll, I'll meet you at the Benz, buy you beer. And- oh, absolutely. <laughs> on air. I mean, I, hey, dude, I, 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 I do, do my it. best work. That would be amazing. <laughs> hey, and it's cheap beer, too, so. That's the best part too. Arthur's yeah. like, no, five dollar beers. I'm like, where is it? it? Did I die and go to heaven? But then I go to Chick Fil A and it's seventy five dollars for for a meal. I'm like, oh yeah, you don't. Arthur doesn't own that. No, yeah, no, he's, he forgot about that one. <laughs> All right, Taylor, we appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, Thank you so much. Absolute, yeah. absolute amazing time. Uh, welcome back anytime. By the way, yeah, let's do it uh, next time I do Atlanta. Let's do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Be good, guys. Appreciate all your support. And honestly, criticism is vital for us to grow. So please keep it going. Absolutely. Thank you so much. See you guys. Cheers. See you, sir. Good stuff. That was awesome. Yeah. Good, good stuff. Um, I mean, what else can you say, man? That's that's between him and Jake. 
this week and last week. I mean, you get kind of the best of both worlds, right? And yeah. the thing I love about Taylor is is he's not afraid of a strong opinion. That's what you that's what you want, right? And that, what he just said here at the end, that's perfect. I mean, if we're all Sydney, what you said, if you're all apathetic about it, we're never growing, we're never going anywhere. Exactly. And Atlanta's lucky. I say it all the time on this show. I say it all the time on the spaces. Atlanta's lucky to have the fan base that it does. Whether the team's doing well or not, they still show out. Would like the team to do a little bit better, but you, I mean, hey, we're still third, still third in the East. So it's not over by any means. You you hope they get back to how they were earlier in the season and and roll it out from here. But uh, with that, we do have a game to talk about. Yes, we do. So the Joseph Martinez, not Darby yet, but Darby. Candle and there it is. There's a candle. <laughs> this is this is candle 2.0. Light it up for 2. Joseph. Oh. <laughs> so uh Kevin from Charlotte has the first one. He does. Now. <laughs> Thanks to the giveaway on Patreon. Quick Patreon.com slash scarves and spikes, by the way. Um <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I, I guess good news um from trading on Wednesday today. Uh we I was gonna say we saw it, but it was a photo on of the socials. Uh Elkamaka's trained, so it's good news right there, and it may speak to the fact, may speak to the idea that we do see him in Miami to some extent on Saturday, which is really good news, obviously, for Atlanta United, and of course, Almada, so I think, and, and Mike Conti said it, you know, anytime you have uh, Tiago Almada on the field, you have a chance to win. I would take it a step further. Anytime you have Yorgos Yakamakis and Tiago Almada on the field at the same time, you have a chance to win. And you know, we kind of joked about it, but uh, Yakamakis, five goals and five starts. His next goal, if he scores on Saturday against Miami, they'll give him six to six, tie in with Twelman. So, yeah, I mean, good news, obviously. And I think that speaks to the fact that maybe the hamstring wasn't as serious. I It, it was never serious, I don't think, but maybe the hamstring is getting better. But again, Let's hope that it isn't a sign of things to come in the future that he remains fit and healthy for an extended period of time and can continue this run of form that he's on because that's that's gonna be a major key. Let's hope that Joseph doesn't go two footed on him in warm ups, by the way. <laughs> I wanna see it. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually I don't. Please don't hurt Yakamakis. Right. Exactly. Please don't. But some spiciness I'll take for sure. Yeah, and I think you're going to see that in this match. Uh, I think maybe it plays out like any other MLS match, kind of run of the mill for now. But the moment Joseph Martinez walks on that pitch, if he does, and I'm, I, I'm, I agree with Taylor, I think I think he gets a a rollout at the end, if only because that is a mental side of this game. It's an intangible that you have to think about if you're Phil Neville. You're putting the guy back out there. Everybody knows the drama. Everybody knows the storyline. So he might not be in the best form right now, but absolutely, it's a mental thing to see that guy come back out playing against you. It actually might be a good thing that really nobody that played with Joseph in his prime is is going to be on the pitch at the same time. Because, I mean, it's not like Gazan's going to be there. So, But it's a mental thing for sure. And I'm, it'll be curious to see how that plays out. 
I don't know how this game's going to end up finishing. I have no idea. Like, this is... I mean, when we see the lineups, we'll, we'll see. But, like, you expect... I think that they go back. Like, Ibarra couldn't play, like, enough because he played too much in the Open Cup game, right? And you knew he wasn't going to be there. And Pineda, for me, he's got to know what his best midfield is. He has to. And you just have gone off two stinker of a games. I was going to call it something else, but I said stinker. I feel like I'm talking, I'm talking to kids. But two crappy games. And you've got to get that out. And, and if you're getting your best player back, you're getting Yakamakis. I know Amada is, is really the best player. But you're getting your guy that scores goals on a regular basis back. And then if you don't play Bar and Sadage, I'm going to question it. I, I absolutely am going to question I know Ruzadu had a good start to the season. We were all shocked. And Jason Longshore was on here saying he was going to get, I don't remember, a combination of like, eight you know uh goals and assists like cool he started off great but it hasn't been good it just it hasn't been good enough and you've got to stick to what your optimum lineup is and if you're healthy and i think that we're healthy then you absolutely have to put put in the lineup that we want we're selfish we want our lineup pineda (laughs) that's what we want play our guys and things are going to be better And and then we'll tell you next week we told you so I think the big question, too, is do you continue to start Wiley at left wing? I say yes, because I feel like Etienne, Absolutely. for whatever reason, whatever the reason he hasn't been able to find his form as a flame. That's why I let it brought him in, because of that, what what he showed with his previous club, Red Bulls. Um, but at the same time, you know, it has to click for, for whatever reason. And Pineda said, you know, it's a matter of creating chances. Well, he's not done that. I feel like Wiley right now, form-wise, and we had An- Tony Annan on the Patreon feed, of course. You know, one of his guys, <laughs> Wiley, uh, he's he's come well. I mean, he's come good for this team. And he's young. He's still fighting his legs, but he's been good. And I feel like with more appearances, more time on the field, more time to gel, he's going to be a much better player at the end of the season. And that's at the cost of having a guy like Etienne maybe not starting like he thought he like we thought he would at the beginning of the season. And it's a, not necessarily a bad thing because it's one of your kids coming good. But at the same time, here's a player that you spent not too much money on, but you brought him in on a multi-year deal who is in fine form um, with his previous club, but you know, is on the bench. So... In some regards, uh, not a great problem, but you have to hope that Etienne can continue to raise this level of play. So, you know, we talk about death. Whoever you put over there, whether it's Wiley or Etienne, you know, you're pretty sound at that left side. Now, the right side, you know, our Ridge, we could talk about it all night. But, you know, as far as Wiley and Etienne are concerned, I think Wiley, you have to keep writing him for now and then hope that Etienne can contribute to the way you expect him to contribute. Yeah. And, and you've got a pretty busy stretch coming up, right? Like you want Wiley because he's kind of the hot hand. He's looked dangerous in his, in his matches, even when he's not scoring goals, he's much more confident taking guys on one-on-one. Um, he's really growing into that position. And, and Boca Negra said it yesterday that he's being asked to do stuff that he, maybe wasn't as comfortable doing when he was playing as a left back, especially for the twos and, and to a degree mm-hmm. last year. 
but he's really, really attack minded and attack oriented, and he he looks good on that left wing. I'll give you my quick. Uh, you're probably thinking way too much into this moment of the week, which is at training yesterday. Etienne at the end was taking a lot of shots from the right side of the box mm. with his left foot. And, uh, you know, so take that for what it's worth. It's probably nothing, yeah. but we all know that like he, he can play on both wings and I would actually like to see a pairing of Etienne and Lennon and then Wiley and Gutman. And and look, what do you, what you do with Arujo? I don't know. Do you bench him for a little bit? I, I don't. I just don't think that's what's going to motivate him. But I don't know. But if Yakamakas can't play, stick him at the number nine spot. Let him play up top. I mean, if he loses the ball, he's going to lose it anyway. So, <laughs> like, let him let him be up top and let him take a shot. Like, who cares if he sails it? At least he's not losing the ball in dangerous territory or just running into guys. He's receiving the ball and doing something with it. But then you see what you've got on the right with Etienne. Then you let Wiley get his time. Goodman, you you don't want to take him out of the left-back spot. Lennon, you don't want to take him out of the right-back spot. Maybe the the chemistry between Lennon and Etienne will just be better. And then you take Arujo, stick him up top as a number nine. I mean, because that's the only other position you could really play him in because you're not moving Amada. So, Look, I've solved all the problems. That's this what we're doing. So there he is. Yeah. That's what we're by doing. Way, I got, Saturday. <laughs> by the way, I got it wrong. I said at the end, previous club was Red Bull. So it was Columbus, obviously. But Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> That's a good call out, though. I, I don't think it's a bad call out. Like, I, question is, does because Pineda's a, a very positive coach, like you can tell he's very positive reinforcement type guy. Does he have, and I don't want to say guts, but I'm going to say guts. Does he have the guts Cajones. To sit Aruju, Cajones. Can can he take Aruju out of the lineup? Because I don't know if he can. Now, if you you solve that situation, if you put him up front, right? Because then you don't have to bench him. But even Ted Lasso benched Jamie Tart. He did. He did. <laughs> he, he did. Right. Uh, and Sydney, I don't know if you're caught up yet. I know you've been you've been catching up. So I don't know if it's a spoiler or not. I'm but... still midway. I'm almost done with season two. By the way. Awesome. Well, you're you're. It's only going to get better. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's. It, it's going to take. I just haven't seen Pineda really make that move often, where he just makes a huge decision of a of a player that's struggling and take him out, especially a big yeah. name. Besides Joseph Martinez, and that situation was just obviously a disaster across mm-hmm. the board, and not just be, not because of Pineda, but just because of how. Until that that situation was, but besides Joseph Martinez, I really haven't seen it with other other players. So I don't know. We kind of came close. I, I think it was more um, just to preserve him because he played a lot again on Wednesday against Memphis. We saw that a little bit when he came off against Nashville. So I don't know if that was just fitness wise, just to keep it fresh or what. But that's kind of a little bit of an eyebrow raiser to me in regards to Farouju. But, That's a good yeah, point. As far as, but as far as you know, benching him all together when he's perfectly fit, you know, the optics of that, you know, will be immense. But at the same time, you got to do what's best for the team, right? And if that means maybe giving your <laughs> one of the highest played players in MLS a little break to kind of get his wits about him, 
I mean, you may have to do that. Again, not saying he will, but it'd be interesting if he does. Yeah, and I agree with you. And I'm wrong. I, I, I immediately immediately realized I was wrong with everything I just said. Marcelino Moreno was was taken out for pretty much the entire quarter of the season. <laughs> we, we, we never saw him play yeah. at all. <laughs> so so Avery, let's just delete the tape of everything I said. I'm going to shut up. You guys finish the show. I'll be back. So what you said is he does have the cojones, right? Yeah. He, he's he got does. him, baby. But but. <laughs> And he was a DP. I guess Moreno was a DP because I was going to say, well, maybe he, he he won't do that to a DP, but Moreno was... was I mean, he was at one time, yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, everybody seems like a DP. You know, we forgot that Alan Franco was a DP as as a, as a center back as well, which is still... Man, talking to, to, to Taylor and then just thinking about this Joseph Martinez thing all week, man, we've had some really crappy years, guys. Like, it's just really been downhill. And, we, like... The beginning of the season was just so happy. We were doing well, and now we, we, we're just in a little bit of a funk and PTSD. Could be worse, though. Could oh, be yeah. Worse. <laughs> so Bruno's saying, are we going to talk about him saying Tata Martino Beep. screwed us for the long time? <laughs> um, I got to say, that was, a, that was a take I have not heard before, and I've heard a lot of Atlanta takes. Now, I, I would agree with what he said shortly after that, especially with uh, – you know, it, I feel it, Tata Martino was probably the best technical director Atlanta could have ever had in the beginning because players just wanted to come play for him. He's a legend in South America. So, yeah. you know, and, and yes, he was directly responsible for Mickey. So, but I don't, I don't know, I guess, enough about the kind of say that he had in some of these contracts and everything else as to what that then caused at the end of 2018. I just, I don't know that they were in a bad position then compared to what they are in now in terms of the contracts that they're stuck with. So I don't know. I'm really curious to see how quickly they can fix some of these contracts that maybe need fixing or, you know, bring in the right guys or, or do what they got to do because I mean, they made, made leaps and bounds in six months, eight months. Right. But, can they do that again in a summer transfer window? Can they do that again in next offseason? Like, if they can, then that's great. And you're looking at, at some, like, long-term success, hopefully. But is that feasible? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, well, and this Taylor Twelman, Tata Martino thing, we could talk about. Like, I would love to talk about this for hours because think about it. Like, Tata Martino didn't bring Darling to Nagby or, or Parkhurst or Lorenowitz. Like, those were guys that specifically Bocanegra brought in, right? And mm -hmm. so then you look at some of the other the other contracts that that you're looking at here, and maybe I just didn't pay attention as, as much then. But like that's, I, I'm interested now to like go back and look at some of these past salaries and and dig deep into that and and see. I I just don't know if that's uh, I don't know if that's that's tr that's true or not. Like I I or just thinking about it early on, I don't see it. But again, like we just. We're going to do some research. Maybe this is a Patreon episode. There we go. There go. How Tata stole Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for the Photoshop of that one. That's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, uh, this is what you guys have to look forward to on Patreon. Yeah, so why exactly. are you not Patreon.com slash Scarves and Spikes. We're going to keep saying it until you subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> and we got our, we got, I think we're getting close to finishing up our uh, next watch along get together. Yes. Um, we're, yeah. we're going to finalize that this week, but we're going to do one here soon. 
Um, so yeah, and there was a ton of fun. We gave away Joseph Candle. We'll figure out something else fun to give away. Um, and yeah, Patreon. and also uh, we, Bruno, how Tata stole the peaches from Atlanta. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, yeah, and and we've we're working out some uh, some merch. Starting off easy. We're gonna be also probably making you guys some stickers as well. Um, wife has been working very hard on the stickers, by the way. So, gonna get you some some cool ones to uh, represent our show, which will be cool. Patreon.com slash scarves and spikes, and you can help design some yes. of the stuff that we make. So, yeah, uh, good stuff coming there. Um, on top of that. We look. We can talk about Miami and the Joseph Darby all day, but we had to predict something at some point. So, I have no idea. Like you, Tommy, I don't know where to go with this. Me and you have gotten one right all season. I think <laughs> um, it's one more than I got him right all season. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're on a roll. I was going to guess three nothing. I know I wasn't on the show, but I was going to guess. Three nothing Nashville. So I, I still would have, have gotten it wrong. I was I was surprised they ended up getting a goal. So I'll be honest, I, I still would have gotten it wrong even if I was on there. But I, I'm gonna go in this one. I'm gonna go that it's going to be a one to one game. And I, I usually don't like calling out specifics of the game, but I have a, a dream in my head that Yakamakis comes in. Or I'm I'm sorry, Yakamakis and Joseph are two second half substitutes and Joseph Martinez scores and Yakamakis scores five minutes later and we finish at a one, one draw. And if this happens, I'm lighting the candle. How many shots are you also going to take after that? Because that would be a nail biter. Well, I'm going to be watching this game on Sunday because I am going to be at a Sace de Mayo party. So if I if I jump on spaces, I haven't told you guys yet. If I jump on spaces, just mute me if needed. Go with it. <laughs> Let's ride. Play. Let's do this. Tommy, I thought you were going to say one one. Yakamakis opens the scoring, but Joseph scores a late winner. Uh, I thought oh that too. Gosh. I almost said that. And I changed. I changed it last minute because I didn't want to be that guy. So I changed yeah. it to the opposite way around. So Good. if you want to say that, you do it. You no, do it. I, I don't want to be. I want to put that in the world. I was also going to say 1-1. One, one. I was going to say Yakamakis, but yeah, opening, scoring for Atlanta, but not Joe that scored for Miami. Probably Campana or Bryce Duke or somebody like that. But someone other than Joe that's getting the goal for Miami. So 1-1 one, one draw for me, too. Um, I think Yakamakis gets the start. And... I think it'll be a surprise, but I think Yakamakis gets to start. And I'm going to raise you one, Tommy, and say 2-1. I think it my my romantic additional romantic view to that is Joseph gets it, right? As he comes on, gets his first goal for Miami, makes it real scary, and then Yakamakis finishes it off with a brace. So that he not only does he tie Ooh. Taylor Twellman, but then he Sorry, Taylor, if you're listening to this, but then he surpasses Taylor Twellman with the number of goals in his first six starts. That's it. That's how it's going down. 
Or Aurigio starts with number nine, and, and who knows what happens. <laughs> Hat trick for Luis Aurigio. <laughs> oh. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Hat trick for Aurigio. Get out of here. Oh, my God. Get uh, that's the funniest like thing you, you've said. That's Tommy, the, I, there, like, this is the hardest I've ever laughed on this show. Is somebody <laughs> even suggesting? Oh my god, if our you got a hat trick, holy <laughs> oh man, take a day off from Twitter. This, yeah, this exactly. is the best episode we've ever done. Like, this is this is my favorite time with everybody. The comments have been great in here, Taylor was great. Yeah. Sydney said a, a hat trick by Aruju and the show. We, we're we're at the we're at the peak of the show, like, we're, we're ending it. Thank you. This is our last episode. Like and subscribe. <laughs> like and subscribe. We, going out on top. <laughs> we're going out on top. If our region gets a hat trick, I, I was going to say I was going to shave my head, but my wife oh. will not, never talk. I'll shave my beard if our region gets a hat trick. I will not. I will okay. not. Oh, my God. My wife um, would kill me. But here, Because it's oh. MLS. But, hey, uh, you said it, so... Everybody in the gotta chat, do it. you remember that next week, whenever Luis Arjo scores a hat trick, next Wednesday, he's going to come in here with no <laughs> facial hair. There's no chance. There's no <laughs> chance. I'm going to prove everybody wrong. There's no yeah. chance. Oh, boy. I, I, I tweet at Kubo every game, if you score a goal, I will get a tattoo. And he liked my comment every game. After every game, he liked it. It was like he almost was showing me, like, <laughs> I didn't score. <laughs> I mean, why didn't you just tweet him, hey, you know, I'll get this tattoo if you go to the corner and you become the dark arts master for 10 minutes and hold off everybody <laughs> while we're trying to scrounge out a win? Then you would have your Atlanta United tattoo. I, I was, I, I think he did that twice, and I think the one was there, and I was just laughing. I was hysterically yeah. laughing like I was before because I was like, this is the best thing this guy's ever done. He's just killed like 45 seconds in the corner. Like, that is his legacy of Atlanta United. <laughs> and it is. We're still talking about it. That's where we're at. <laughs> it is. <laughs> we um, haven't mentioned, um, we haven't mentioned Jurgen Dom yet. Uh, good, so. All right. right now we we should have brought him up to Taylor Twelman. Taylor, what? <laughs> What do you think about Jurgen Dahl? That would have been a good shout. <laughs> All right, now we can then. Now we can. Then. We're gonna write that down for now. He said he'll come back next time yeah. he yeah. does an Atlanta game, so we're gonna write that down. We have to Jurgen ask Jurgen Dom. What are your thoughts on Jurgen? Yeah. And his, was it TikTok? What did he do? Snapchat? Right. Yeah, he TikTok, <laughs> Grandpa. Uh, <laughs> all right, Mark. <laughs> which, by the way, Mark, great meeting you. Uh, I got to meet Mark at the Open Cup game the other day, so that was cool. Um, oh. See him. And it's a little bit easier in Kennesaw to like see us if we're around, but like by all means, if you guys see us, we would love to hear from you guys. Yeah, um, come say I'm hi if you ever this, see like, us around. Yeah, like I mean, Tommy, I know you're in Ohio. <laughs> like, I'll be back. Here. Yeah, the Falcon schedule comes out in three weeks, I think. So mm-hmm. I'll I'll figure my trip out. Cool. There you go. So Mark got it three uh, one sprawl two one. Bo saying if Yako's in, 2-2. Without him, it's 3-1 Miami. Um, Bruno coming in hot. Sist in Mayo is the most Americanized holiday after Cinco de Mayo. It's just very true. Yeah. <laughs> very true. Um, Coach B, Brandon saying 1-1, which is very, very possible. Yeah. Bruno with Yakamakis 2-1 without 1-1. Man, we got, we got a lot of people jumping on this. Yeah. Uh, Justin saying just two two, because everything since Columbus, <laughs> right? <laughs> so 
Yeah, and yeah, obviously, uh, tweet us at Scarves and Spikes with your predictions. Um, you, you guys know our Twitter handles. I'm SH Wright. Tyler's ATL Pilgrim and Tommy's eight, Tommy ATL 96. So let us know your predictions. Absolutely. Last thing, because I, I, I'm going to shout them out because I want them to get the exposure. And uh, it'll be fun. It'll be a good time. And it'll be something really cool for you to go show off at the bins or wherever in, in your tailgating. But Carmen and Diego, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, she uh, makes stickers, pens, other merchandise, other cool stuff related to Atlanta United. She's going to be doing a giveaway. Uh, we actually have a couple of things to give away, but the one we're starting with is a pen. We'll put it on social media here in the next uh, during the next week. We'll have Jason Longshore on next week, next Wednesday, um, to hop into it and talk with us. But make sure you're following Carmen and Diego on Instagram. It's Diego, And on Twitter, it is at Diego. So uh, you go get a sneak peek of what you might win, and we will post what you could win. Uh, during the week, so make sure. Where, you're where's like, Carmen and Diego from? It, she's in Atlanta. Where in the yeah. world, though? Where in the uh, world? Is? That's a great question. Where in the world is Carmen and Diego? I got you. You did get me, and I've been thinking it all. <laughs> I was gonna do show. it, but Tommy took it from me. Dang it, man! <laughs> Dang it! We gotta restart the show now. Yeah. They're, they're gonna they're Sorry gonna take away the giveaway after that terrible joke. <laughs> I mean, all if she, I'm sure she'd be rich the number of times she started that joke. Uh, for <laughs> sure. Dollar. <laughs> um, if you're looking, make sure you're on the right. I'm not going to show you what you're winning, possibly, but this is the logo right there. So very obvious because it is very similar to Carmen Sandiego and yes. the dog Diego. So if you're listening, it's on their socials. So yes. Cool. Good times. Yeah. Great show. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Thanks, Taylor Twelman, for coming on. That was a great time. Uh, thanks, Jake, last week for coming on. That was also a great time. And for shouting us out on the on the broadcast. That was cool. So um, we appreciate it, guys. We appreciate all the support. We appreciate everything. We're trying to keep it rolling. We're trying to bring you guys content, both here and Patreon and on the spaces, too, because that is still mm-hmm. us. Sometimes with a little more vigor. Yeah. You left me all alone <laughs> this week. You left me all yeah. alone by myself. I came in and dropped yeah, everybody. It was a bomb, but like I, that was on for five minutes. <laughs> yeah, you were there. You, you, sh- you showed up. Everybody, everybody hung out with me. I, I got a three mile walk in. It was it was a good spaces, but man, those losses, especially like those big losses, those, those are yeah. some definite, uh, some definite interesting spaces. Yes. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. All right. All right. Any final thoughts? Um. Go are team. We good. <laughs> go win i'm good go win go fight go win. win light the candle yeah all right light guys. The candle, baby light the candle here we go it's been a good one we appreciate it guys we will see y'all next week we'll see you guys in a few days for the ratings video and then we'll see you again next week with jason longshore take care everyone thanks for watching and listening see you soon see ya.